Hello everyone, welcome back to this, our seventh episode in our 15th season of the Sabbath School from Home podcast. My name's Cameron, very glad that you've joined us. And I'm Luke, <laughs> and very unsure if I'm supposed to go next. Yeah, the, un- yeah. the unsure factor is exacerbated by Ken not being here, but I'm here, I'm Lachlan. And one of the things that I'm interested in is that because we keep resetting our counter at the start of every season, we, we, um, we don't have on the tip of our tongue, an absolute total count of the number of episodes we've recorded. It's a bit daunting that we're at halfway through episode, uh, halfway through season 15, though, Cam. That's quite impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, if I knew my 13 times table, although some of the seasons have had 14 episodes. That's right. Ah, oh, no, I'm out of kilter entirely. Um, if our listeners wish to know exactly which episode this is, they can go back and listen to each and every of our previous episodes. <laughs> tally it up, tally it up as they go. Uh, this week is uh, a further discussion of mission, and the uh, title for the lesson is about uh, mission to my neighbour. And without any further ado, we're going to uh, jump into one of the passages that's discussed. It's, it is in every sense the obvious passage to turn to. Uh, when Christ is himself asked, who is my neighbour? So uh, let's jump over to Luke 10. Now, the Bible I'm reading has some section headings, and it starts the parable of the Good Samaritan in verse 30, but but we have to go at least as far back as verse 25. Yes. Yes, that's where mine starts it. Ah. So I'll start there. Behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbour? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was travelling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Mm. I have a couple of thoughts well, uh, straight away, but go for it, Luke. Uh, uh, no, well, I was just going to um, uh, suggest that you share your thoughts because I know you have a couple of thoughts. Well, the first thought that I have is the person who is upheld by Jesus in this story as being the neighbour, which is in fact answering the question that the expert asks, what should I do to inherit eternal life? This person does no preaching, evangelism, book selling, no verbal expression of the gospel at all. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, the, the person is not a Jew or... I mean, 
Yeah, I, I was just going to say. Well, look, if if we if we transpose this story a little bit onto our own context, and we say, you know, a Seventh Day Adventist man was going down from the division office to Kurumbong, um, and he was attacked by robbers and a a pastor and a theologian, etc., uh, etc., et and then. Pick someone who you think is the modern Seventh-day Adventist equivalent of a Samaritan. I'll let people's imagination do the work there, right? Um, the point being, the person that Jesus holds up as somebody who is a neighbor, mm. who acts like a neighbor, who uh, will inherit eternal life, is not a Jew. In our context, is not a Seventh-day Adventist. Mm. You know, if, if we put ourselves in the audience, shoot, the audience is Jews listening to this and going, hang on, he's saying that the person in this story who will inherit eternal life, who is loving God and loving their neighbor as themselves, is not Jewish. Yeah. There's a lot of provocation in this story, isn't there? I've heard it pointed out that in verse 37, when the the religious expert who has initiated this conversation answers Jesus, he simply says, the one who showed him mercy. And I've heard it pointed out that that could be a reluctance to even say the name, the Samaritan. Mm. Yes, he, it, it is. It's it's implying who it is, you know. Um, so, yes, but I think... It that, also a good answer, though, because it identifies what the quality of that person is. Yeah, that's true. It's the one who helped him. So, um, yes, but I think it's, it would have been easy just to say the Samaritan. So I've been trying in various episodes this season to point out what it is, why it is that the idea of the mission of God um, is a helpful framework. I find it a, a useful thought, uh, despite the some level of discomfort we've all expressed about some of the traditional Adventist ways of doing mission, uh, in, in sort of air quotes. This, this parable nails exactly my point. I think as Christians... We are called, if we are if we are going to follow God in the way of Jesus Christ, then I think we are called to be agents of His salvation, and that salvation does sometimes mean large, um, big picture, eternal consequence sort of stuff. But often, being an agent of salvation means a salvation from something that is causing pain and suffering right now. Uh, alleviating alleviating pain, reducing suffering, coming to the aid of the needy, that seems to be part of what salvation means, as expressed in the mission of Jesus, in the ministry of Jesus, as recorded in the Gospels. Yeah. Yes, Lot. And um, that seems very obvious that that's uh, in this story. It's also, I think, implied in the story that the person who asked the question, this this lawyer, was not fully satisfied with the answer he got. I don't, that's the sort of sense I get out of it. Mm. And um, and partly that could be because Christ does not, in fact, answer his question. So the question he asks is, "Who is my neighbour?" Mm. And the answer, the question that Christ asked, was, "Which of these people was a neighbour?" Mm. Yeah. And um, that can't be by mistake. <laughs> and I think, I think the reason Christ doesn't answer his question is it's just not a good question. I mean, what other motivation can you have for asking who is my neighbour other than 
by limiting. I'm um, obviously the lawyer was hoping for less than everyone. Mm. If some people are going to be neighbours and some people are not going to be neighbours, mm. uh, but Christ's response is just to say, uh, "Look, actually, that's the wrong question. Don't ask who do you have to help. Ask who could you help." Mm. Oh, an interesting thought about that, which is a new one that occurred to me today um, as we're reading through it. Um, And I don't want people to get the wrong idea about this. The Samaritan um, did not go out looking for people to help. Yes. He was not on the road seeking people who had been hurt by robbers to help them. What happened in the Samaritan's case was that he encountered this situation Mm -hmm. and in the moment chose to extend compassion to somebody in need. Yes. uh, When he was faced with it. In other words, at at an inconvenient time, not in an arrangement uh, of his own choosing. It wasn't he was helping people through regular donations um, or mm. regular community service work. This was suddenly encountering someone in need mm-hmm. and how they yeah. reacted in that sense. So the priest and the Levite, for example, may have been regular and generous donors to the temple in our common modern context to charity or tithers of church, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, that is not mentioned as being important, which is not to say, so I say don't misunderstand me, not to say that is bad. Yeah. That's a good thing to do. It's not a bad thing to do. But it's not what the Samaritan's doing here. He's not doing planned benevolence. This is how does somebody react when this situation is put before them. And that's really confronting to think about. Um, Mm. I think about the number of, you know, people begging for money on the street that I have encountered. Mm. And sometimes I've put something in, but many times I've just walked past. Yeah, much more yeah. like the behaviour of the priest and the Levite than the behaviour of the much Samaritan. More. It's also complicated by the fact, Luke, that and this is an easy excuse to card to play, but and it should not be used as an excuse for inaction. It should be used for an ex- as an excuse for more action. But often helping people can be really complicated. Um, so um, how do you help people in a way that ensures their long term gain? their long-term benefit um, and I'm sure um, I mean there's lots of documented cases where people have done aid and done it badly um, there was one occasion I remember um, someone was begging on the street and there have been many occasions where I've felt conflicted and not know what to do and done nothing but there's been one occasion where I I did think when I get home I'll put a donation into the Launceston City Mission um, which I did because those people experts at helping mm. yeah this is one of the problems is this is a general problem this is totally off topic because um this leads too easily to the mindset of well it's not my responsibility i don't have to bother with it but you know everything in our society is so governed and run necessarily by experts if you think of the amount of expertise we access in just driving to work, the expertise in rubber manufacture for the tyres and the expertise in oil refinery and the expertise in road construction and the expertise in just footpaths and whatever else. And, you know, there's a road that I drive on on the way to work where if you're parked beside the road and a truck goes past, the whole ground shakes Mm. because this road was laid down over a swamp. 
and it's resting on tea tree and you can actually feel you feel it I, and there's all sorts of I heard a local engineer talking about all the problems they had to overcome just to build that you know everything is so governed by expertise uh, by experts and there is it's possible to be expert in helping people at the sort of systemic level mm. like problems mm. like homelessness and problems uh, drug problems in society and uh, problems of mental health and you know it's possible to be involved and make things worse mm. in some sense that's not relevant to this story because in this story it was more like someone who was in badly in need of first aid like it was a their need was obvious mm. imminent and acute and um yeah so um I think that that's one reason, Luke, why the, why the regular giving is important because when you give regularly to people whose job it is to study how best mm-hmm. money and time can be used, um, then changes can be made with collective resources that can't be made individually. The challenge mm. of this story is is just simply um, when you are presented with a, with a need that's put right mm. in front of your face and it's not convenient, how, how do you respond in that moment? I'd like to pick up yeah. on that thought about expertise. And- I, I've got a thought on that as well, but you, you well, go first. Well, I'll start. It links into something that, I'll, that I want hope to get to. Uh, I do have my eye on the clock, and I know that there are three of us in this recording, so we're, we're <laughs> we'll see. My comment was going to be, um, I agree with everything you said, Cam, but I also think part of what this story calls us to do in the context of living in a world that, that's built on expertise is bother to learn a bit, bother to find out, not necessarily become the expert, but information is so readily available. So let, let me just give mm. a, a brief example, and this is going to be, I'm going to pick this up in a moment. Um, the brief example is the, is the, I think I mentioned this a couple of episodes ago, uh, hearing a podcast about, um, a podcast series about gun violence in the US. One of the things that he did was put himself, the, the presenter is Canadian, Malcolm Gladwell. He resonates much more closely with my Australian perspective on guns than with than with an a, a United States perspective on guns. Namely, there's not much need for them in a in an urban society. <laughs> lots of guns causes lots of problems. That, that's basically a summary. Um, but interestingly, Malcolm Gladwell in this podcast, in one of these episodes, puts himself outside his comfort zone, goes and talks with a gun expert, goes to a shooting range and shoots a semi-automatic assault rifle and there's a podcast so that was air quotes around that specifically to explore this idea that maybe um even though there is constitutional protection of the right to bear arms maybe america could decide we don't need citizens to have access to assault rifles and the reason that he goes to do it is to explore what's this distinction and i don't need to give too much of the details go and listen to the podcast but the the point of it is there isn't much and so there's a learning opportunity there for someone to actually bother to find out hey i would love to see a little bit more control of guns in this society someone is standing up saying we should ban assault rifles what does that actually mean when they say that what what would be included in that category what makes that category different is in fact Mm. that category of assault rifle the thing that contributes most predominantly to the problem in society we're trying to fix the answer to the final question is resoundingly no no it's not um in other words in the context of the united states a gun control lobbyist who pitches their narrative around banning assault rifles 
is actually falling into the trap of fundamentally not taking enough time to care to to learn the facts that are pertinent to the matter. And so uh, that that's outside this and our context, but it's a really important one. You can go home and you can donate to the city mission and you can do that with an attitude of, oh, that absolves my conscience. I don't need to think about that anymore. Or you can go home and you can donate to the city mission and you can do it with an attitude of, boy, I just really don't know what the right thing to do is here. I'm going to do something about it right now in the short term and I'm going to commit to finding out a little bit more about this problem. Mm. Which is a good segue. It's a a challenge. It's a good segue into what I want to say. It is a challenge. This story is very challenging. And I think if we read it and go, well, that was very challenging for the Jews and then wander in our merry way, we're somewhat deliberately misreading the story because I think it's supposed to be challenging for us Mm. as well. And that's a good thing. It is good to think about what this means for my behavior. But that, that thing about expertise, and and back to what you said, Cam, about our society is very governed and run by experts. And it is certainly axiomatically true that that is a good thing in a lot of cases. You don't want amateurs building a skyscraper, <laughs> 100%. Um, however, and I cannot assert this 100% for sure, but this is a topic on which I have my suspicions that are founded on my own eight or so years of expertise in in, in non-profit work. Um, And I would love to do research into the topic more um, because I have seen things that suggest that when it comes to the activities in our society which involve helping those in need, those who are most marginalized, most disadvantaged, most at the bottom, volunteer work is the best way to do it. And and local quote-unquote amateurs hmm. are the best people to do it. Hmm. Um, and it's very interesting, now that I think about it, that I have had those observations and they seem to align with the context of the story of the Good Samaritan. Hmm. Because the Samaritan was not was not an authority. He wasn't the police. Hmm. He wasn't a medical expert. He wasn't anything. He was just the person. And so the reason that volunteers and local volunteers are the best people to deal with many of the, the human problems in society is because they are face to they are in the right place at the right time. Hmm. They are face to face with the problem. They see it clearly. It touches their heart, and they are best positioned to do the right thing to help the person. The problem with an expert uh, controlling things from afar is that they may be very, very, very good and, and, and knowledgeable at their job. But if they don't know what the situation on the ground is, and they make some assumptions about it that are incorrect, they will make the wrong choice. And I say that confidently because I've done it. Hmm. Um. There is no substitute for being the person on the road who sees mm. the man who's been robbed. Mm. So I'd like to pick that one up as well. Um, the quote that has been rolling around in my mind uh, from from this podcast I referred to is the title of one of the episodes, and I shared it on this podcast, I think, recently. Sin is the failure to bother to care. Uh, let me let me read. This is um, an idea that is very exciting, but it comes um, in 
the little bit more homework I've been able to do on it, it comes from a, a professor in moral theology called Jim Keenan, who points out that for Jesus in the Gospels, sin is usually not where the people are weak, but trying, but where people are strong mm. and not bothering. Mm. And he refers to the Good Samaritan story as an example of this. Look in the Good Samaritan story. The priest, strong, position of power, position of knowledge, familiarity with God, with religious text, with religious tradition, with rituals, um, a position of considerable strength, passing by, not bothering. The Samaritan is not even a Jew, right? And in the context of the of the cultural situation happening here, effectively, that's a weakness. Jesus is being provocative by picking someone who isn't strong to be the hero of this story. He's picking someone who is identified mm. by his listeners as being particularly weak. So sin is usually not where people are weak but trying, but where people are strong and not bothering is such a such a profound challenge. I've, I've been letting that roll in my mind for a number of weeks and it, it, it will continue to roll. Here's the interesting aspect of this, though, in the context um, that we're just discussing. Luke, you pointed out the Samaritan didn't go out looking. The Samaritan just was walking, was traveling on the road and saw the man and then felt compassion. Um, the more strength we have, the more opportunity we have to help others. Mm. If we are in a position of financial strength, then we can give financial help. If we're in a position of uh, a richness of time, we might have time to help others. If we're in a position of... Who, who would who could possibly be in a position like that? Well, I've heard, I've heard of a thing called retirement. And I know that retirees are busy, but I've heard... It's a myth. Well, Jim, it's a myth. Jim, they just tell you that to make you work harder. Yeah. yeah Complain do, less. do you know what else I've heard, though, Locke? Yeah. I, I read a secular journalist um, who was talking about a technology Sabbath, using the term Sabbath, yeah. and saying that they decided that one day a week they're going to do without their smartphones as a family. Yeah, okay. And one of the things that they found is that they just had heaps of time that they were left trying to fill. Yeah. Well, but- this is my point was that any of these I don't I, I don't want to limit yeah. this just simply to being able to provide financial assistance to people mm-hmm. in in housing difficulties. I mean all manner of different ways it is fundamentally true the more strong our position is the more opportunities we will have in front mm-hmm. of us where we yes. come across a person on whom we can show compassion um, if, if you are look, in, Jesus, if you are Jesus in extreme emotional or financial distress, then it may well be you're not being called on very much to be mm. the giver of compassion. That, that that is my observation that I'm pointing out, um, and that that is being informed by this by this wording um, here. The, the the other phrase from Jim Keenan: We sin not from our weakness, but from our strength. Mm. Well, I was going to make that observation that, yes, it's very true. The more power you have, the more ability you have to do good, but also the more you have to lose, uh, and therefore the more likely you are to be risk-averse and selfish. Anyway, that's a separate topic. Well, um, I think it's relevant, Luke. Why do it's you very think, relevant. Why do you think the other two wandered on? Um, it- well, it, it, an interesting question, um, and I need to look carefully at the text. Um the Bible does not say, at least it doesn't say in Luke, I've seen versions of this story, dramatizations yeah. or elaborations in which motives of self-preservation are ascribed, ascribed to yeah. 
them. Is it self-preservation? It's self-preservation. They, they hurry okay. on because it's dangerous. But, but, to be clear, not in the actual story. Well, see, doesn't I'm, say why they left him. just says they I'm, did. I'm glad you've heard the motive of self-preservation because I haven't. When I've heard this story explained, everyone's always said that it's because... They thought the man might be a corpse and they were on their way to the temple and they would have been richly unclean if they touched, and you know, even touching blood and bleeding has all sorts of obligations. And it was, but to my mind, as I read the story this time, the overwhelming thought that um, sprung to mind was, oh, there's robbers on this road. Um, <laughs> there is, there is the detail, the first person, the priest, the detail is when he saw the man lying, he crossed to the other side of the road. There is... It doesn't. It doesn't speak of hurrying. It speaks of maximizing distance. Uh, but the second person. Um, also, it, it just says he passed. No, by. I thought there was a sense of passed hurrying. by on the other side. Okay. Yeah, they both crossed to the other side. No. So that may be significant. I don't really know. Hey, I had an observation that I, I don't want to forget um, before we move this conversation on. I was just going to say, you know, Jesus has deliberately picked an extreme example here for the purposes of. Of, of, of illustrating the point. Um, uh, but I, I'm always reminded of Noah when, when presented with these sort of extreme examples, which is the case of, well, if, if you're asked to do something really difficult and then it turns out to be... Or Noah and, 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 and Naaman mm. as well. You yeah. know, if you were asked to do something difficult, you would have done it. <laughs> now that you've asked to be do some, something easy, you, you're complaining about it. So, you know, it's not... You don't just encounter people in... In, in in dire terminal need, you offer counter people with small needs. Mm. And 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 then the temptation, I suppose, is to consider those as annoyances. In fact, in some ways it's kind of easier, I think, to extend yourself to help somebody. You know, I, I think I've encountered homeless people on the street. I've never encountered someone who was who was dying and would die if they didn't get medical aid. Mm. I think if 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 I did Ken has. Yeah. Can I chip in with a story? I was at Ken's house today helping him build his plane, and he's not uh, able to join the recording. But I was there, drink- and he today he happened to mention a story where he picked up picked up a hitchhiker, and the hitchhiker was um, two of them. One hopped in the front, one hopped in the back, and the one in the back was talking all funny like this. Ken thought, "Oh, he's high on drugs, or he's drunk, or something," and he deteriorated. He started groaning. Ken said, "Are you all right?" "Oh yeah, I'm fine." And his friend said, "Oh yeah, he's always like this. He's always like this." And this guy started becoming incoherent and he was on the back seat and Ken said to his friend, are you sure he's okay? Oh, yeah, he's fine. I mean, he's a diabetic. <laughs> um, and Ken said, well, when when did he last eat? And it was this was like early afternoon. Oh, 8 o'clock this morning. Hmm. Oh, and what have you done since then? Oh, we, oh, we walked about 20 k's. Um, so Ken called the ambulance and they drove to meet him, and the paramedics told Ken after they'd taken the blood sugar readings that the guy was twenty minutes away from dying. Oof. Wow! Um, <laughs> yeah, that's quite dramatic. I, I certainly haven't had any experience like that. Um, but I was going to say, I think in in faced with extreme need, the heart is moved more, and mm. and the, the 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 need to help is more clear cut. Faced with a a minor need. Perhaps the temptation is to dismiss it as not very important. Mm. And maybe that's even um, a bigger problem because, you know, probably if, if, you, if you're willing to do something difficult, how can you refuse yeah. doing something easy? And yeah, I think we are often tempted into that. 
I'm, I am also tempted to start wrapping up this podcast. Um, I was going to say, Luke, you'd mentioned uh, the conversation moving on to other directions. There are many that we could do, uh, but we did say we weren't going to try and go too long. So I think you've... Yes, it has been a tight 30. Yeah. So. yeah. I think there's some wisdom well, got, in, in what you suggest. Okay. Well, I'm going to I'm going to chip in on behalf of Ken because there's a verse that I've heard him talk about often. And we'll take this in a direction. I'll finish with a quote from Alan White that's used in the lesson. Um, the story begins when the man asked Jesus, what should I do to inherit eternal life? That's a very, um, like, um, it's only worth thinking about if it applies to our eternal salvation attitude. Mm. Mm. But Jesus doesn't deny the premise. Uh, you know, Jesus could have said, whoa, hang on there. God's, God cares about your eternal salvation, but he cares about a lot more than that. Like, that's not the only end goal of, mm. of living a good life. But Jesus accepts the premise. He says, all right, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And what that suggests very strongly um, is that uh, there is no such thing as a plain reading of the Bible. Hmm. Everyone, everyone who reads the Bible interprets it. Hmm. They interpret it based on um, their own life experience, but they also interpret it possibly on the basis of what they want it to say. And hmm. this man is clearly out to just provide some nice, neat edges to his obligations. He's not denying that he has obligations, but he just wants it to be neat mm. and tidy and he, he's, and possibly a little within his comfort zone rather than too far outside it. Who is my neighbour? Mm. And um, the story that Jesus tells, I think, is the answer to the question, how does Jesus read it? Huh. So Jesus and, the, Jesus and the lawyer are reflecting on the same verses. Love the Lord your God. Yeah. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says to the man, how do you read it? Um, and when the man says, who's my neighbor? Jesus says, all right, well, let me tell you how I read it. Mm. And the way I read it um, is that our, we are not admonished or called to um, draw neat boundaries around our obligations where to leave those boundaries ragged. It's it's not a case of who's in and who's out. It's a case of who who can we help rather than who we have to help. Mm. Um, and the um, quote from the lesson is this. Uh, Thus the question, who is my neighbour, is forever answered. Christ has shown that our neighbour does not merely mean one of the church faith or the group to which we belong. It has no reference to race, colour or class distinction. Our neighbour is every person who needs our help. Our neighbour is every soul who is wounded and bruised by the adversary. Our neighbour is everyone who is the property of God. Hmm. That's a quote from Ellen White, Desire of Ages. And the thought occurs to me as a personal reflection is that what stops me from helping other people is not any ideological opposition to helping people. Hmm. Honestly, it's just discomfort. Yep. I just feel uncomfortable. And I think our prayer should be, that God shapes us into the sort of people who are not comfortable unless we help. Oh, that's well expressed. Hmm. I think that's a good sentiment to wrap up on. Uh, well, let's do that then. And uh, please join us again next week. Hopefully Ken will be back. And, um, yeah, share this podcast with anyone who you think might benefit. Uh, we enjoy the recording, irrespective of uh, 
how, how many listeners I can genuinely say that we occasionally probably not more than once every two or three months check in to see how many downloads we're getting because the value in this podcast for us is is in the ideas that we share with each other um, we do really enjoy publishing it though as a as a uh, discipline and as a reminder to to do it regularly and if you find it useful then we're so glad and we hope and pray that um, it can be a blessing and, and we do really enjoy when people email in you can email us to us at sabbathschoolfromhome at gmail.com with any questions or comments or feedback and uh, and share the podcast with anyone who you, who you feel would benefit and join us again next week